hits you harder and harder as you go through it, and it's just tremendous. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We worship a God that is awesome and mighty and powerful and omnipotent and glorious, and we thank you for your great power and your how awesome you are in this place and to us. For your, for your son, the Lord Jesus, who gave his life for us so that we might be set free. We thank you. And now, Father, we just pray that as we continue to worship you, as we give into your kingdom, we're giving into your kingdom and your kingdom's work. We just ask you, Lord, that you would bless it, multiply it, and use it so that your kingdom can be expanded. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Forgive me, I, uh, um, can somebody put the house lights up for us, please? Um, I just had a grandfather moment. You, oh, man. Um, I was holding that little guy, and the second song that we sang, um, what was it? I can't. We have overcome. Well, when these guys, when the worship team got to the, when we got to the chorus where it says, uh, uh, Savior, um, worthy of honor and praise, and he was in my arm here, he was looking up at the stage, and just spontaneously, without anything, his little hand went up. He's, he's, 11, he's 10 months old. His little hand went up and stayed up the whole time that that chorus was on. And then he put it back down, and it didn't go up again. And I'm telling you, I lost it. Out of the mouths of infants and babes, thou hast ordained praise. Oh, that we might become as a little child, because that's what the kingdom of heaven is. Unless you become as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So that was my grandfather moment today. Whew. And it was a good one, too. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right, let's, uh, <coughs> let's pray. Father, we've gathered together here in your house in your name, and we have gathered uh, to worship you because you are worthy of all of our praise. 
And we, now as we look into your word, we understand that your word, we just don't learn your word. Your word is revealed to us. The truth of your word is revealed to us. And so I just ask that as we look into it today, you would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us from your word. It's full. It's full of things that, that we need to, to take into our spirits that we need to know and that we need to act on by faith. Uh, may that be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we are in Romans 12. If you want to follow in the Bible, you can follow from the screen. Last week we talked about the first two verses, and I'm going to bring those verses back up again because I just want to hit on a couple of little things, and then we're going to go on into the, into the rest of the chapter. Um, but Romans chapter 12 begins, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, or it is your reasonable act of worship. It's what you can, it is the most reasonable thing that you can do because of God's mercies. Now, one of the things that we need to look at is we look at our bodies, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, and we talked a little bit about this last week, where in the Old Testament, the, um, the, the worshipers in the Old Testament would bring, a, they would bring an animal, they would pick an animal that was without defect, and they would bring that animal, and they would, um, they would bring it as a burnt offering, they would bring it as a sacrifice offering, or, a, a, or some sort of an offering, but uh, if it was, a, for instance, if it was a, a, a burnt offering or a sin offering, they would lay their hands on the head of that animal, and they would, they would confess their sins, and, and, and by that, they were symbolically transferring their sins to, the, to that animal. They had then, at that point, that animal would become a sacrifice. It would, because something had to die. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins, the Bible tells us. Um, and so that animal would die in the place of the individual. Okay? That's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. Okay? When Adam and Eve sinned, death came into the world, and the first to experience death was two animals. Because God killed two animals and used the, the skins to make clothes for them. And Adam and Eve wore on their bodies the death of those two animals that died in their place. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So now the owner of this animal relinquishes all rights to that animal. That animal becomes a sacrifice. Now listen to me. Listen to me. When we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, we lose and relinquish all rights to that body. Now, hear me. You say, that sounds really spiritual. And it does. But let me tell you something. When you relinquish the rights to your body, it means that you are relinquishing 
to God, everything about you, including, okay, including how and when you will die. See? Now, here's what I'm, I'm trying to get across to you here. We just, we just had a, the, I, I, Gina sent me that email earlier about, about uh, Paul Goom and his wife. And she wasn't able to mention, but later on she showed up again, but this time she had a machete. And she was going to do him in unless he relinquished his Christianity and came back to Buddhism. Imagine the tension for someone in, you know, you're married to someone and, they, and, and you come to Christ and then they, they, they want to, your, your own family wants to do you in, kill you, if you don't come back to something that's false. You know, Jesus warned us in, in Matthew chapter 24 that there would, that there would, be there would come a time when, when parents would betray their children and children would betray their parents and husbands would betray their wives and wives would betray their husbands because of this tension that comes. And so we give our bodies as a living sacrifice. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, listen to what it says. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is, the, is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. Listen to this. You are not your own. How do you know that? Because by your reasonable act of worship, you have given your body as a living sacrifice. You are no longer your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, we can, we can have this justifying experience in our, in our souls where our, we tr are transformed from death unto life. The Bible says that. That's what takes place. We can have this sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit work in our work in our spirit, and the spirit testifies to our spirit that we are the children of God. But there is a, that justifying experience and that sanctifying experience must find its way into our, the way our body behaves. And, and you see here it says, 
your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I can spend a lot of time, I shouldn't say I spend a lot of time, but I can spend some time just talking, because the context here is it, with Paul in this particular instance, he's talking to us about sexual immorality. Okay, he's talking about sexual immorality. And, and we, we're, we're getting bombarded with that, you know, today, because of some of the things that are being that are being said and done and by the agendas of, of some and by, by the, uh, the things that the Supreme Court has said and all this kind of thing. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to lay this out for you. There is only one, and then, then I'm going to move on to something else. There is only one, one form of sexual activity that is condoned and blessed by God. And I mean blessed by God. There's only one that is condoned and blessed by God in the scripture. And that is between a man and a woman who are married. You can't find anything else in the word that God will bless. In any way, shape, or form. Okay? Now, I, I'm, we're done with that part of it, okay? We're done with that part of it. But we're not, we're not done with is the concept here that our body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to say some things this morning, but I want you to understand that I am speaking to me. Okay? I am speaking to me, and here's, here's the reason I'm speaking. And I'm just going to... I'm not going to get... At this point, I'm not going to get anywhere near done with chapter 12, so we're probably going to end up having to come back next week. I don't know, but here, I just, some of these things just have to be said. Most of you know that in December, uh, almost four years ago, it'll be December of, of, of 2011, um, I had a heart attack. And uh, I was in the hospital, had uh, the cath put it, they cathed me, and then they put a stent in. And the doctor, the lady doctor that was a part of the practice of who's my cardiologist, she came into me and she simply looked at me and she said, you can do this two ways. You can, do, you can do this two ways. You can leave this place and you can take care of yourself or you can die. You, you make the choice. Now, that, that, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty tough bedside manner, but it was what I needed to hear. And so, I, it took me about six months to find the place that worked for me. But I began, I began to work out uh, three days a week. I, I, I go to CrossFit. And I've done it pretty faithfully up until a couple of months ago. And up until a couple of months ago, uh, and a couple of months ago, I changed what I do on my days during my days, because you know I'm a bivocational pastor, and I changed what I, what I do. I used to work in an office, and now I don't anymore. And that change triggered a change in my ability to do that. Okay? Um, it's going to change back uh, right now. It's, it's changing back right now. I'm, because working didn't save my life, well, I mean, I know the Lord saved my life, but working didn't save my life. That saved my life. Okay? 
So work is going to come after that. I'm, that, I'm just saying that. I've, but what happened in the meantime there, folks, is, is in addition to not doing that, because I, I don't know if it was because I wasn't doing that or whatever, because I got sloppy. I got sloppy with my nutrition. I got sloppy with the stuff I eat. I started reintroducing that wonderful substance back into my life called refined sugar. <laughs> it is a wonderful substance. It tastes great, but it's horrible for you. Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not vegan and all that other stuff. If you are, that's fine. I'm just not. I didn't claw my way to the top of the food chain to eat vegetables. That's, I'm just, just going to say that for you. Um, that the word vegetarian is an old Indian word, means lousy hunter. Uh, you might okay, I'm, I'm, if, you're, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not fighting. I'm just, I'm just making it, I'm trying to make a funny there. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you see, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I don't, I don't just abuse my body. You d in other words, you don't just abuse your body by being sexually promiscuous. You abuse your body by the lack of exercise. The la See, when, when we were all farmers and we worked hard all day, we didn't need gymnasiums. We worked hard all day. My uncle was a farmer, and that man worked hard all day. He ate like a horse. You know, but he burned off 10,000 calories a day because he was out, you know, doing farm work, lifting bales, you know, you know, toting bales and all. And so now we have a sedentary life and it is impacts us cardiovascularly and physiologically in so many ways that we have to do something with it. And, and then you add to that, and please understand where I'm coming from. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to me. I should be sitting on the front row preaching this but I don't what I want you to see we begin to introduce then into our bodies all this other junk that you know, of processed foods and sugars and everything like that and it ends up we we hurt our bodies and they're to, our bodies are a gift from, they are a gift from God they are this incredible design that is designed to function it literally was before sin came into the world our bodies were designed to live forever do you know that before adam and eve sinned our bodies were designed to live forever and when the bible says that the, some of the early the early people like adam and methuselah and noah and those guys and they lived for six eight nine hundred years they did they lived why their bodies were that they were designed for that and, and now we, ab we abuse our bodies. Then we get sick. Then we come to God and we say, Oh God, heal my abused body. And God doesn't heal us because He knows we're not going to do anything to change why we're in the shape we're in. Do you hear me? You see, under, you hear what he's saying, what Paul's saying to us here. I know we've gone down this little side trail, but I was reading this this morning again, and and you know, and God's been dealing with me about this because I've, you know, I've been paying my fees to CrossFit. Of course, 
That has, I've been getting that told to me by my bookkeeper. You know, you keep paying this, but you never go. You know, that's all going to change. I promise you, it's, it's changing. But my, but my point, my point here is we have, we have got to start taking care of ourselves and we will live longer and we'll be happier in it because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and he deserves the best. Now, it's not going to stop you from getting old, folks. And it's not going to stop you from dying. Okay? I'm not telling you to spend so much time on your physical body that you neglect your spiritual well-being because the spirit will live forever. The body's going to die regardless. But boy, let's just do everything we can to make sure that we live as long as God wants us to live. Hello? Okay? Because God may want you to live to be 100, but you may die at 80 because you abused the gift He gave you. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm preaching to the choir and the pastor. Okay? You hear, me? You hear what I'm saying? This is, this is, this is as important as spiritual things are important. The physical part of this is just as important. Now, if there's anyone left that still loves me, we will move on. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I don't have anything to say to this. Now, verse 3. Now, what Paul begins to do here in, in this, the, the rest of chapter 12 is he begins to talk about the body of Christ. He, begins to, he, he talks about how each of us belong to the body of Christ. That we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. That we all belong to this this worldwide body of Christ. Now, just because you, you know, somebody because somebody calls themselves a Christian doesn't mean they're a part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is made up of people who have acknowledged that Jesus is God, confessed with their mouth that Jesus is God, and believed in their heart that he, God raised them from the dead. Then they become a part of the body of Christ. Okay? Now, we don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but we rather think of ourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given us. We realize that the faith we have, no matter how big or how small it is, has been given to us by God. The faith that He has given us is big enough to accomplish whatever God has for us to accomplish. Because He said, Jesus said, if you have the faith, the size of us. Please don't ever say, I don't have enough faith. See, the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, help us to grow our faith. Jesus said, well, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain over there, be cast into the sea and it would go. Wow. You see, that's where you begin to think of yourself with sober judgment. 
Because if Jesus said you could, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you could throw that mountain into the sea, how little is your faith? So we think of ourselves with sober judgment within the, within the context of the body of Christ. Now listen to what he says here. And I know that Gina read this earlier, and, and um, if, if anything happens to me between now and the end of the service, she just pick up and take over where I'm, where I'm at. She did, you did fine. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Listen to me. Each of us belongs to the others. Now, here's what, here's what I want to get across, and this is going to be a bit of an emphasis that's going, to be, that's going to be coming up. When you become a part of the body of Christ, you are not by yourself anymore, nor do you retain ownership in yourself. According to the Word of God, each member belongs to all the others. Now, how does that, how does that work? How does that play out? You see, what we have in so many instances in, West, in the Western culture and in the church in the West is that people, you know, you say to some of me, you go to church, yeah, I belong to. And there would be people who would talk about Community Bible Chapel and they would say, yeah, I, I, uh, Community Bible Chapel's my church. Okay. What are you doing in the church? What are you doing? Because you're you're a part of you're 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 a part of the body of Christ. What are you doing? Well, you know what, I I you know what I don't really have any I don't really have any gifts. I don't I don't really what. God took you out of the world, saved you, washed you clean. You become a part of the body of Christ. And the Bible teaches that everybody in the body of Christ has a function, but you and you alone do not. Really? Out of all the millions and millions of people that are in the body of Christ, you and you alone don't have a function. That goes against everything the Word says. Listen. Romans 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesied... Now listen, here's something I want to say. And we're going to look at this in just a second. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul introduces to the church in Corinth the concept of spiritual gifts. And he talks about the gift of prophecy, the gift of uh, 
wisdom, the gift of tongues, the gift of the interpretation of tongues, the gift of healing, the gift of uh, faith. Um, I don't know, there's nine of them there. And I, I knowledge, the gift of knowledge, and there's, uh, I don't know what the others are right now off the top of my head, but he, he lists them and he says these, these gifts are to be used for the edification of the body, to pick the body up. They're not used to be used for the individual to lift themselves up. They're to be used for the lifting up of the rest of the body. Okay? And then in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul lists five offices. He, he lists apostle and prophet and evangelist and pastor and teacher. And he says these five offices are to be used to train the rest of the saints to do the work of the ministry. It seems as though here in this particular passage of Scripture, Paul is trying to encompass other people who are of the mindset that, well, I don't have the gift of prophecy, and I don't have the gift of tongues, and I don't have the gift of interpretation, I don't have the gift of faith, I don't have the gift of healing, I don't have this. And he just sort of randomly picks out some things and, and really almost at the end of the sentence puts dot, 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 like there's more, there are more things that could be said, but I'm not going to say them. It's almost as though he does that. But he says, he, he, he's almost calling these out randomly, and he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, he uses one of those, one of those other gifts, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Whatever it is, if it's prophecy, go ahead. If it's serving, if, it's, if he loves to serve, if, they, if that person loves to serve, then let him serve. If that's what they feel strongly about and feel good about it and, and they want to serve God in that way, if somebody says, hey, if I want to, I'd love to serve. Oh, well, absolutely serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's mercy, let him do it cheerfully. In other words, whatever an individual feels God's calling or gift or whatever you want to call it, the, the, the thing which they most like to do, the, mo the thing that gives them the most enjoyment and the most satisfaction then let them do that for the body of Christ and serve God in the kingdom in that way don't hold them back but what happens here folks is when we begin to talk about the gifts or we talk about gifts our what I find is that people begin to focus on the gift rather than being, on, being a member of the body. And I think that when we begin to focus on being a member of the body and, and we begin to focus our energies on how we can... On, on being involved in what the body does, then God will open up opportunities for us to serve and He will, 
he will show us what that special thing is that we can do to serve the body. But until we get our minds focused on the body and not the gift, we may never find out what that is. Do, do, do you follow what I'm saying? You see, you belong, you belong to the body. You're not out there by yourself. There are no hermits in the kingdom of God and in the body of Christ. We don't go off by ourselves. We don't stay at home and watch television ministries and say that we're a part of the body of Christ. No. I don't care. I mean, unless you're a shut-in and you can't possibly get out, you cannot stay home and sit and watch a ministry on television and say, I'm a part of the body of Christ. You're not. You're by yourself. You are not serving the body. You're not belonging to other people. I'm just going to get that said, and it'll go out onto the cloud as well. Be that as it may. The truth of the matter is, if you sit at home when you could be with the body, you're not a part of the body. You don't belong to the body. You're not serving the body. You're not helping the body. You're not doing kingdom work. I'm not, I'm, well, you know what? I'm not even going to qualify what I said. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. Okay? Paul's talking about how do you serve the body. The body needs to be the most important thing to us. Later on, down the road, maybe I may not come till early next year, uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be community. Because, com you know, we, not because we have the name community in our, in our name, but what does it mean to be in a community? What does that mean? We are in a community here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, listen to what Paul says about the whole concept of the body. The body is a unit. Huh. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit. There weren't two spirits. There weren't three spirits. There was one Spirit, and it was the Holy Spirit, and we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, the body of Christ. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body's not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. Ooh. But God, in fact, has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted 
them to be. Do you think God created us with all our parts just the way He wanted? I was having a discussion with someone the other day. And it, spiritually speaking, there are people in the body of Christ who look, look at themselves as though they were an appendix. An appendix. You know that little, that little doodad about the size of your little finger that comes off the, the uh, I think it's the large intestine. You know. Well, it's actually over here. <laughs> this side's not on this side. It's over on this side. Lower, lower right. Okay. All right. Now, people get, they get inflamed. Okay. And um, the doctors will, you know, they used to make this big incision. Now they make a little incision. They go in there and they take it out. Okay. Sometimes they'll get so inflamed they'll burst and it, it causes a lot of problems. But they take it out because you know what? They don't know what the appendix is for. Some of them say it's a useless piece of flesh. It's just there. It's there and it gets inflamed. And so a lot of people, they'll consider themselves as, an, as the appendix of the body. They're there, but they don't have any use. Ah. But not according to the word of God. <laughs> See, according, in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I don't know that medicine may not know what the appendix is for, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have a use. Because God created it and put it there. So therefore, there's a reason for it to be there. I'm not saying it's wrong to take it out if, it's gonna, if it gets inflamed and birth. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we can't sit there and say, well, there's no use to this. God put it there. There's, you can't sit there as a part of the body of Christ and say, there's no, I'm of no use to the body of Christ. God put you here. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. It may not be to stand up and preach. It may not be to stand in front of people and teach. But it may be to serve. It may be for other reasons. There are, there's a reason you are here. There's something about you. Hello. There's something about you that is important enough to God for Him to bring you into the body of Christ so that you could be of help to the kingdom of God through the body of Christ. You're not here by accident. And you're not here as an extra. It's important that that become... And you say, well, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. Well, get started. Get started somewhere. Just do something. You may find out you don't like it. And then you can move on to something else. You may do two or three or four things before you find out what you really feel good about and what really is satisfactory to you but as long as you sit in the chair or in the pew or you don't come or you do this or you do you don't do this you will never know what your what god has for you if you don't start step out in faith and let god do the rest and then i got a couple minutes we're going to talk about this life in the body listen to what he says love must be sincere he gives us these little snippets of behavior. And this is what life is like in the body. Some of this you'll read and you'll go, well, that sounds like more like life outside the body, but I'm not so sure anymore. It may be that that is life in the body as well. Listen to what it says. 
Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Yeah. Life in the body. Life in the body. Joyful in hope. The hope that we have before us of, of eternal life. Man, there's joy in that. Patience in affliction. Yes, those afflictions come. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Yes. Practice hospitality. Listen. Bless those who persecute you. See, now that would sound as though it should come from the outside, but it won't always. Jesus got his greatest persecution from whom? The religious people. From religious people. Not Christians, but religious people. Okay? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That is, have compassion. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Folks, that is a picture of the body of Christ because the body of Christ is made up of people of all societal persuasions. And you may have plenty and there may be those who have little. Okay? Your job as one who has plenty is not to become conceited, not to, not to be too proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And if their position is so low that they're having problems, you need to be willing to take some of what you have and give it to them to help them out. Okay? I do not believe that it's our job to give it to the government so that the government can give it to them. I believe we should give it to them directly. Okay? I'm not buying votes. I'll just get it said. Okay? I'm not buying votes. It should be my job to give directly to the people. That's part of our, that's part of being in the body of Christ. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Listen to this. If it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Wow. See? Now, he didn't say, he didn't make that as a command. He said, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you. In other words, you may find people that you can't live at peace with. But it shouldn't be you that's causing the problem. It should be them that is causing the problem. If you can't live at peace with them, and, it's, and they're the problem, and you've made the effort, okay, you can't live at peace with them. Get it in your head, you can't live at peace move on, but it better not be you that's causing the problem. 
if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Wow, folks, I'm going to tell you. That's a tall order. Okay? But it goes right along with what Jesus said to love our enemies. Okay? Uh, do, not over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What did Jesus say um, in, in Matthew chapter 5? He said, you have heard it said, love your, love your friends and hate your enemies, but I say unto you, love your enemies. He said, this is what happens. When you love your enemies, you show yourself to be a child of your heavenly Father. Because your heavenly Father sends rain on those who are righteous and unrighteous. And so by you and I showing love to our enemies, we are acting like our Heavenly Father. Now, I just have a feeling that as believers, you just hear me from this and then I'm done. I have this sense as a believer that we are going to have more and more and more opportunities to live that out as time goes on. And we need to be ready, willing, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, carry it out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us into the body of Christ. You make up the body of Christ however you see fit. You call. You draw them to Jesus. They confess Jesus. They get baptized by Your Spirit. They come into the body of Christ. There's a reason. Not just to bring them in. There's a reason they're there. And that is to use their gifts and talents and abilities to expand the kingdom of God. We're all here for that reason. Lord, may that sense of belonging, that sense of ownership, the, the, the sense of, of being a part of something overwhelm us as believers so that we are not that we just turn ourselves inward and forget about the world, but we turn ourselves inward for encouragement, for, for support, for, um, for all the things that we need so that the world will see that the body of Christ is literally operating according to the original body of Christ. Now Lord... Before we leave, we want to pray. Uh, we want to pray for the ministries. And the first ministry that comes to mind this morning is, is Chris Garris over in Thailand and, and for the, the situation there with, 
with uh, Paul Goom. <coughs> uh, Lord, I know that that situation has calmed down. At least the last report of it, it has calmed down. And I just pray, Lord, I pray for, for that brother, that, that believer who, by, who was confronted by his, by his very own spouse that she was going to take his life if he didn't renounce his belief in Jesus. Lord, I just pray for him. I pray, Lord, that by your spirit you will strengthen his resolve that he will not give in to that kind of pressure. That he will not, that that, 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 that scheme of the enemy to, to go to go to the one who's closest to him and try to discourage him that he will not allow that to happen. I pray for Chris and Silk and the other leaders there as they deal with this and as they, as they teach about the spiritual warfare. And Lord, as they see, see it firsthand, I pray that you will give them wisdom. May the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit flow through them as they as they teach these dear people, these dear believers. Pray for Todd and Shelley Marks, Lord, as they, in the Middle East, and I thank you for them, and I thank you for what you're doing through them and the relationships that they are building and the people who are showing interest in learning more about the resurrected Jesus. And then, Lord, I want to pray for the EE prison ministry, and I, I pray, Lord, to continue to pray for for Brother Art and all of the staff that, and, and all that they're doing. So many new things are coming up, so many new ideas and ventures and things that, that you're leading Brother Art to do. And I just pray, Lord, that uh, whatever, whatever you've called us to do, you'll supply and you use us to do it. So, Lord, I just pray for, for that ministry. I pray for Love Serves. I pray for Peter, who's down in the Dominican Republic right now. And Lord, I pray that uh, there will be an opportunity for the pastors from our denomination that are there to attend the next workshop in November. And I pray, Lord, that that will all come together with Constantine and, and, uh, and Peter and, and that they'll be able to work out all the logistics to make that happen. And I thank you for that. And, and then, Lord, I just want to pray for our daycare and thank you for the blessing that that has been to this church and to the community. And and, and Lord, we just um, we were just talking about a, a young lady who's now literally graduating from high school, who was or graduating from college, who is a part of our daycare so many years ago, and we now have her child in here, and it was, what a great great uh, thing, Lord. We just thank you for the blessing of the daycare, and. Um, Lord, we know there have been some transitional changes that have taken place, but I believe, Lord, that you have been watching out for us and that you have been, uh, that you have, we have a great staff, and I just want to thank you for it. Now, Lord, I just pray you'll take us from this place. The body of Christ, leaving its confines and going out into the world to be Jesus to the world. Help us to be Jesus to the world. In his name we pray. Amen.